Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CoronationCom, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. I'm Greg Mahochko, and joining me as always, Mr. Hoss Reuter. Hoss, good day to you, sir. Good evening to you as well, mon frere. I'm glad you said that, because uh, we are recording on Thursday night, uh, post at, you know, I say post at 10 o'clock, I thought it was going to be you know, a fancy dramatic way to say after ten o'clock, but it's just it's just late on a on a Thursday night. This episode's still not going to uh, drop until Saturday morning, but let's talk just briefly as to you know why we are getting together a night earlier and 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 why it's going to be a day later when uh, usually we record and then we drop the next day. But as we were just talking in the build up, you've got to. Uh, some uh, studying to do for uh, of all the ridiculous things in the world a Saturday morning final so that's why we're not recording Friday night correct? Correct I have to be in at Mammal Hall at 60th and 67th and Pacific at 9am Saturday morning for a two hour accounting final and I'm not even an accounting major <laughs> well the, the, the good news is you know a fantastic place to get coffee uh, so you can, you know, be loaded up on, on the <laughs> caffeine uh, before you head into the final. Uh, now, the reason that we're not dropping this Friday morning is because I am exhausted. It took everything I had just to stay awake trying to put my son to sleep tonight. Uh, so instead of doing post-production and getting everything ready to go tonight, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Uh, so I'm, I'm feeling a little, I don't know, lazy is not the right word. Uh, just, I think, tired or exhausted is really about the best way to sum it up tonight, buddy. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just get to the end of the week and you're spent. It has been a fantastic week, I think, in Husker athletics. Uh, Obviously, we're going to talk, you know, football uh, because that's what we do. And it's been, but even in football, the spring game was last Saturday, of course, over 86,000, you know, paid attendees or, or attendees paid. Yeah, anyway, uh, it's not like some of these spring games where, you know, it's free admission, and that's why, you know, some schools are able to put ninety or 100,000 uh, butts in the seats, so to speak. Uh, this was the moment that many Husker fans have been looking for since, forward to since the end of uh, November, uh, the loss against Iowa, and then the week later, uh, the announcement that Scott Frost was the new head coach. This was the first opportunity to see Scott Frost in action on the sideline in the spring game. Um, before we break it down, because I know you're eager to do that, uh, how many times did, did you watch the spring game between Saturday and, and this recording? Well, I saw I, I was there in mm-hmm. person, so that's the cursory glance at it that I'm more overridden with emotion. If it was an actual game between an actual opponent and us that's the emotional viewing where i just 
spew profanity and, you know, throw chairs like Bobby Knight. And, you know, if I was actually on a sideline, want to really rip a referee, a new one. Uh, um, but yeah, in the stadium, I just kind of, you know, took it all in, watched it as it unfolded. And then when I got home that night, I watched it. I watched the first quarter briefly before going and doing something that evening. But since then, I viewed it once, but it's been in different chunks. Um, watching each play about two, three, sometimes four times. Taking notes, writing stuff down. So just one viewing, aside from being in the stadium, but it's been a very drawn-out viewing. It's been the deep dive into the X's and O's. Well, as I mentioned, 86,000-plus uh, were in Memorial Stadium and millions watching around the world. Uh, what, <laughs> what was that atmosphere like? Because uh, obviously you, you got, like I said, you, know, you get to see Scott Frost and his staff in action. You get to see an influx of uh, new players or players perhaps we hadn't uh, seen much of uh, on the field, like a Tristan Jebbia, for example, who we hadn't seen since last spring game. You got to see... Uh, you know, Zach Duvall's work, uh, you know, I, I watched it once. I, I, I had intentions uh, to watch it more than once. I, I didn't have time to watch it more than once. But what I saw, um, and I'll be honest with you, you're, you're the lineman guy, uh, so you'll be able to really pick that apart. I watched the football. Um, particularly, I watched who had the football. And uh, I thought both Divine Ozigbo and Mikhail Wilbon looked so much bigger just a few months after you know we saw them at the end of last fall but again before we really break down what was that atmosphere like uh being there for the spring game well it was it was a lot like most spring games people go into it kind of knowing that they're going to take it with a grain of salt well there's also a lot of excitement um a lot of people in line to get into the stadium we're acting like it was an actual game, you know, the go big red chance, everything like that. And the Memorial Stadium ushers were in mid-season form. They were just as crotchety and salty as ever. <laughs> uh, scanning tickets. You know, the concession, the coffee was cold at the concession stand. You know, just it is what it is. I'm not placing blame on anyone here. But, yeah, I mean, it was remin- the weather, too. You know, it was about 45 degrees and drizzly. It felt like a fall Saturday. And, um, after, as you're sitting there watching it, obviously the emotion isn't quite there of a real game, but it's still Nebraska football. And, you know, beyond faith and family, there aren't too many things. You know, those are the only two things that are above football in my life. <laughs> Food is fourth after football, of course. And uh, so it, it was great being in the stadium, uh, you know, seeing the dawn of, of a new era and, just even in the stadium, you could tell watching on the field that the roster is just, I mean, Frost has done a great job in a short period of time of the initial steps of flipping the roster over from when Riley was here. You saw guys that looked drastically different after a winter strength and conditioning. You saw a lot of new faces, whether it be early enrollee freshmen like Adrian Martinez or junior college guys like Greg Bell and Bill Honus and, or Mike Williams. So it was you, – you could already see that there was a palpable change from the, the Riley era. And that, that's always – you know, spring games are a time where hope springs eternal. Sure. But you could really see that the pieces were putting it, being put into place. 
to make this offense and this program really go under Frost. Now it's just a matter of, you know, continuing to develop guys, continuing to put guys into the right positions to succeed. Just uh, we may not be operating at full sail this year, but by year two, I, I was encouraged enough by what I saw in the stadium and, you know, hearing things, you know, through winter conditioning and the rest of spring ball that by year two in 2019, I think this offense is going to be operating at full sail, uh, similar to what UCF did in uh, year two under Frost. A couple things that, that I, you know, obviously it's a spring game and you can get away with a few things that you can't, you know, in the fall and that being, you know, Scott Frost was hanging out in the offensive backfield quite a bit and, you know, just kind of taking that vantage point, of course, being the fact that he's a quarterback, you know, that one made a lot of sense. Um, but I got to kick out, you know, I'm watching the game and they have music piping through the system almost nonstop throughout the entire game. And it's like, wait a minute, that's not, that's not a game day atmosphere. You can't do that. You know, even the marching band has to stop by the time the ball is snapped, you know, things like that. So I, I got a kick out of that. But then I thought, you know, as you mentioned, uh, a little drizzly, you know, mid forties, something like that. If, if, if it would have been cold enough for there to have actually been a frost, on you know <laughs> across across eastern Nebraska that morning, uh, I think that the collective big red uh, you know fans would have would have shit themselves. Yeah, I, I think there would have been a, a lot of very um, people would have been over the moon to put it that way. They would have been very excited. And the other thing I was going to say about the music, the music, you know, I'm all for you know because it's a glorified practice. That's sure. all it is. Oh yeah. And in practice, they have the music going, and it's, you know, a lot of rap, a lot of upbeat stuff, some pop, you know, that the players are into. But I got to say, that club remix of Dreams by Fleetwood Mac that played in the first quarter, (laughs) oh, man, that thing was a great song. I don't know if a lot of people know this. I'm a huge Fleetwood Mac guy. I did not know that. Um, Yep. and, And now I know. And At the ripe age of 27 years old, I love Fleetwood Mac. Oh, so I'm going to say something that is, oh, this is going to be very contentious, I think. There have been, to my knowledge, three versions of the song released. <clears throat> There's been the original by Fleetwood Mac, uh, and then there have been two covers, again, to my knowledge. One by the Dixie Chicks, one by Smashing Pumpkin. Pumpkins. Uh, anyway, Landslide. And I Ooh, I, yes, I love yes. the Smashing Pumpkins version. That's my favorite. You know, I've, I've heard that version, and I'm a big fan. I don't care for the Dixie Chicks version, but I don't care for the Dixie Chicks, so that's just me. You know, the only Dixie Chicks song that I can really think of, and it's actually not a half-bad song, is that song Goodbye Earl. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, yeah, so- it's catchy. You know, I'm also kind of... I, you know, I'm pretty secure in my manhood here. I'll even go as far as say there's a lot of Reba McIntyre that I like. I enjoy some Reba. Um, yeah, night, night the lights went out in Georgia. Fancy, you know. I I have a bad habit of like tipping like tipping my hand uh, when something bothers me. So years ago, I used to DJ on party buses in my area, which is you know cool. Be it bachelor bachelorette parties or did you, you know, have a dj name uh hooch oh man that was gonna be like dj funky greg or something like that i uh, 
no. Um, I, I kept it simple, but the the owner of the of the bus company every time you know he every time I was coming in to, to DJ he'd get that bus fired up he'd get that uh, sound system blared and it was always good viral because at one point I let it be known that I hated that song and hated the Dixie Chicks so just <laughs> as a rib he would uh, he would fire that up every time um, I, I tend to you know when I worked in radio somebody I was walking into the station some one day and uh, somebody had Abba's Dancing Queen playing. And I went into the studio and I turned it to the next song because there are just certain songs that, like, I don't know, are, are going to cause my ears to bleed. And I also, are... I'm unabashed. I also like that song. <sighs> I See, I have a lot of, beyond the exterior of the tough football guy, you know, the offensive line guy, chewing tobacco, dropping F-bombs during Nebraska games, lifting weights, I have a lot of guilty pleasure songs. Uh, Jules, You Were Meant For Me is one of them. That's a fantastic song. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> and Carly Simon's You're So Vain. I've been known to sing it in karaoke a time or two. i got a pretty good singing voice. Well, okay, so while we're losing all credibility with the listeners, and I'm fine with that, yeah, you know, this is a peek behind the curtain, so to speak, and, uh, uh, you know, this is real life. I love musicals. There, I've said it. Uh, I I've I grew up like with the sound of music in the house and Mary Poppins and the Music Man. Uh, in later years, it was like you know Phantom of the Opera things like that. I just dig it. I, I dig a good performance like that. Uh, one of my recent favorites, of course, uh, Les Miserables and the movie and the movie Into the Woods. So there you go. I've, I'm uh, and you know most of the Disney cartoons are have some catchy uh, music to them too. So. Hey, I, I mean, I played offensive guard and defensive tackle, but I was also in concert choir in high school. So I'm a little musically. I can't read music, though. I just have to listen to it first and then sing it by ear. But oh, I, I, lo- I'm, I love music, but I wouldn't say I'm musically inclined. This is – and, and this is it. This, this, folks, we're going to get back to the spring game. I promise this is the last of a – when I was out in uh, Shadron working for the radio station, I took a – Saturday night, I was, you know, single uh, and had nothing else to do. So I went and saw uh, the high school, Shattern High's presentation of Bye Bye Birdie, classic, uh, uh, you know, stage play or, you know, musical, things like that. And, of course, it's Shattern, so it's another small town. And, you know, the kids who played football and were either on the wrestling team or basketball team or ran track and played ball in the summer, things like that, they were some of the same kids who were, you know, up on stage and it's like, man, it, it, where I grew up, the the, the jocks. You know, I, I went to a smaller school than Shadron, but the 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 quote unquote jocks were not the ones who were in the musicals. And I just thought it was so cool. And I wrote a review for it for the website. You know, had a, a photo album, things like that. I, I I praised it. I praised everybody's work. It was fantastic. Uh, and it wasn't Bye Bye Birdie. I think it was Guys and Dolls. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. It was over fifteen years ago. Um, Shall we get back to it, buddy? Yes, we shall go we, on. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, very long tangent, everybody. Uh, so, yeah, the spring hey, game. Our was, listeners know us a little bit better now. <laughs> they should. <laughs> um, so the spring game, of course, uh, the the red team, I mean, it, the score doesn't matter, I don't think. It was really just an opportunity to showcase uh, the, uh, uh, you know, abilities and, and the progress that the team has made and, and like you said, essentially put on this public practice. 
nobody, I don't think, showcased their ability more than Adrian Martinez. Yeah, it's safe to say that he was the dude of the spring game. And by God, I think everyone's born for a reason. And I think that boy's reason to be born was to run on Scott Frost's offense at the University of Nebraska. My God, was smooth at the wheel. His passing needs a little work. I mean, I'll, I'll say that, but man, that you could tell that he's run the zone read for a long time. Does you know we kind of thought that it might be Jebbia, you know, but I really do think that you know, barring any off-season health issues or anything like that, that Adrian Martinez might be your opening day starter as a freshman. Yeah, I think so too, and I think it would probably be the wisest thing just from the standpoint of what he gives you on the ground with his legs and the zone read and some of the you know, quarterback runs and the actual option plays that we're going to be running in this offense. And beyond that, while I, I said his passing game needs a little bit of work, it is more refined than what you normally see from an early enrollee who should still be you know, a senior in high school. And who didn't I even play his senior year. I think the best – what was that? I, and he didn't even play his senior year. No, he yeah, he'd been out, you know, since he tore his labrum playing basketball, tore his labrum in his shoulder. And I think the wisest thing to do would be, you know, start him this year and we take our lumps, you know, with the schedule we have and the first year starting quarterback. But then in year two, when the schedule gets a little easier, when you get the, you know, the, the triumvirate of the, Big Ten West, who all have to come to Lincoln, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Iowa, you know, I think that year two, you know, with a year of experience, a year taking some lumps and some seasoning and baptism by fire, that's going to pay off for 2019. So I really think that that's probably the way to go. I think that if Martinez starts in 18, you'll see us really lean heavily on Using the running backs, you know, Greg Bell, Devino Zigbo, Miles Jones, Maurice Washington, Mikhail Wilbon, and then Mart- using Martinez's legs in the quarterback running game and throwing screens and, you know, getting guys open off play action. And it'll probably be kind of similar to Frost's first year at UCF. I'm not saying we're going to go six and seven, but I'm just saying, you know, we'll probably rely on the basics, you know, on offense, inside zone and the RPOs off of that, maybe, you know, power and some other things. But we're really going to just, you know, do what we do well, focus on the fundamentals, focus on blocking up front, and just uh, get guys ready for the operating at full sail in 19. I We're not going to win the national championship this year. I, we're probably not even going to win the Big Ten West Division this year. Easy so if you can get guys some great learning experience and great on-the-job training when games are live and they mean something, that sets us up for the future, in my opinion. I think that's worth every penny. You mentioned, you know, quite a few running backs, you know, in that group. I was impressed. It there, I don't think there was a running back who had a bad day uh, this past Saturday. Um, you know, I. I I think the defense was, you know, trying to make some plays at times, um, and there might have been some missed tackles here and there. But, but, and, and we didn't see, you know, like a Maurice Washington, but we saw plenty of Greg Bell, like like uh, you mentioned, and, and Divino Zigbo, Mikhail Wilbon. Uh, you know, we saw Austin Rose and and uh, and that other kid from Nebraska. Um, 
White Missoula. Yeah, thank you. Um, and he he broke off a nice run. That run that he had for a touchdown, that forty-five yard run, something like that, reminded me of a Danny Woodhead in Chattern State. Uh, kind of smaller, undersized back. Uh, you know, kind of ducking down behind the big lineman, waiting for his opportunity, and then finding a hole and bursting through and and making big yardage. I'm not saying that why, you know, because of the the depth uh, of of the running back room here probably not going to see as many opportunities that, that Danny Woodhead saw it, but I, I saw some similarities there. So um, shout out to Wyatt, friend of the show. I don't know. He probably doesn't listen. Um, but uh, you, you listen, um, how about, you know, dropping some playbook knowledge on us sometime, you know, inquiring minds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, slide into the DMs. I think that's what the kids are saying. Um I'm just going to keep saying that until somebody tells me that nobody says slide into the DMs anymore. Um, well, there's a different context it's used in, okay? <laughs> See, I'm I'm old, and and uh, uh, I still think of sliding like sliding into home plate. I don't know anything else. Uh, I Okay, forget it. If you're a man on Twitter and you're going to slide into a woman's DMs on Twitter, the, the premise of sliding into home plate is um, it's apt. It's an apt analogy. Uh, oh, oh, okay. I see what you're saying now. It took me a little bit to yeah. uh, to, to figure it out, but all right. Well, um, full disclosure, everybody, when I say slide into the DMs, I don't mean it like that. Uh, just Put, put that out on Front Street. Uh, I'm, I'm merely trying to strike up a conversation, hopefully learn more about what's going on in the Husker practices. That's all. Fair enough. Haas, or, or, did, did, I, did I make that clear as I could possibly do? Crystal clear, sir. Crystal clear. Um, so let's talk. I, you know, I mentioned that, you know, Wilbon and Ozigbo looked they looked bigger. They looked stronger. Uh, Greg Bell came in and looked fast as lightning. I mean, good oh, grief. God, yeah. Uh, he is going to be fun watching in the fall. You know, every time he picks up a first down or scores a touchdown, they should play that little Troy song, Want to Be a Baller, on the uh, speakers at Memorial Stadium because Greg Bell is a baller. Now, see, he's good, damn good. See, you say that, but and, and uh, I, I go a different way. I think they should play Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls. Ooh, yes. Or they could just have someone reciting the, uh, you know, lines from Ernest Hemingway's book, For Whom the Bell Tolls, as well. I mean, yeah, that probably same yeah, lyrics. I like I'm... the Metallica idea, though, because let's face it, we're already the, our stadium's already the nursing home of college football. <laughs> we don't need someone reciting Hemingway on speakers. I mean, we got games to win. We got to make this a hostile environment as possible. I can't wait. Towards the end of the show, I definitely want to get your thoughts on uh... – on the tunnel walk and and some of oh, Coach yeah. uh, Frost's comments, but we'll get to that uh, later. Um, Greg Bell looked looked amazing. I thought that uh, Ozigbo looked, as I mentioned, bigger, more physical, more capable of running between the tackles. More agile on his feet too. Exactly. He and Wilbon both, I thought, looked just a little bit quicker. You know, uh, you know, getting to getting to a hole or getting to the edge a little bit faster. I, I'm, I'm really encouraged. I'm glad that those guys have stuck around. I, I think, you know, they're both going to be seniors or, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that they're, they didn't, you know, see a new coach and, and see that as an opportunity to jump, 
somewhere else, you know, especially with more te- more guys coming into that room. Because I do think that there's a big opportunity for those guys to con- contribute. I look at Ozigbo and, and the size, the, the bulk that he's put on, and I look at that and see what Imani Cross kind of was. I mean, Imani Cross was a bruiser. Um, he could get through the hole and, and you know, had the power to, you know, in, in open field, you know, he had the ability to run off, you know, a 30-yard run. But I like Divino Zigbo in goal line situations. I think that that could be a money opportunity for him. I don't know they say we don't have a fullback. I think if you put Greg Bell and Divino Zigbo in the backfield, that's some scary stuff. Yeah, I especially from the standpoint that even with Greg Bell being a bigger kind of back at 215 pounds, he still has the ability to get out in space and catch the ball coming out of the backfield. Then you got the hammer back in Ozigbo, and uh, that you saw like our split backs alignment that we ran on that triple option for a touchdown with Martinez. That's basically the modern day wishbone, you know, just the way it sp- spreads the field with two or three receivers. Then you got three options in the backfield to carry the ball on the option, uh, just lethal with putting getting athletes out there. Um, definitely looking forward to seeing the different combinations of tailbacks and slot receivers that they'll motion into the backfield or line up as tailbacks like Ty John or J.D. Spielman or Maurice Washington. And, uh, God, I could go on and on about this. I could probably write a dissertation about this offense. Uh, I, I was saying, I think, in the slack room on Saturday or Sunday, previous to Frost's offense last year and seen in the spring game and i'm not saying nebraska personnel is at this level yet i'm just talking about the design of the offense the plays and this play calling the sequencing of it my gold standard in college football for well-designed offenses was the 2013 baylor offense under art bryles when they had bryce petty at quarterback and lachey seastrunk and uh, shock linwood the tailback positions that was my gold standard. They were a great screen team. They could throw deep. Uh, they had some quarterback running capabilities with Petty. They had good a good downhill running game with their tailbacks. But in terms of Frost's offense and the design of it and how he calls plays, I think that Frost's offense, both at UCF this year and what we're going to see in Lincoln moving forward, is that new gold standard. Uh, what it does to a defense is downright diabolical. It just cuts the defense in half for, you know, no one, you can't stack the box. You can't play coverage. You can't keep your safeties at depth or else you're going to get gashed in the run. You bring a safety up, you're going to get burned on the deep pass. They're going to, you know, key your, you know, alley defenders. It's just, it's the definition of intelligent design. There was uh, among everything that you said, there one phrase towards the beginning kind of stuck out, and it's the amount of athletes on the field. Does Nebraska – I want to phrase this in a way that I, I don't want to set it up to be a negative answer, but I also want the truth. Does Nebraska have the talent on the roster or coming in to have more athletes on the field than – you know the the defense they'd be facing if they were facing a Wisconsin, if they were facing an Iowa, or 
or in this season, you know, like a Michigan? Do they have the athletes on there who have the ability, the, the playmaking ability to, you know, run over or run past the defenders? Well, I think we have the skill position talent. Uh, Greg Bell, when Maurice Washington and Miles Jones get here over the summer, J.D. Spielman, Stanley Morgan, Ty John Lindsay, Javon McQuitty. The tight ends look great on those arrow routes off of the inside zone RPO. So I think we have the skill position talent to win one-on-one matchups against Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan's got some pretty damn good athletes in their defensive back seven, so that's that's a tough call right now, especially the way Don Brown, Michigan's defensive coordinator, calls his defense. But even with having the skill position talent to win one-on-one matchups against Wisconsin, it's still going to come down to the offensive line. Now, we can mitigate our offensive line woes because there are going to be some woes in year one at the O-line position. We can mitigate that with speed and space, but Wisconsin's still going to find a way to limit it. So we'll we'll close the gap against Wisconsin. I wouldn't be shocked if we upset them this year, but until we get that offensive line really figured out and we can move the line of scrimmage against Wisconsin, we aren't going to be operating at full sail against them until that happens. In... In talking about those skill uh, players, skill position players, you mentioned, uh, you know, obviously uh, the Stanley Morgan, uh, the J.D. Spielman, who did not play in uh, Saturday's scrimmage, Saturday's uh, red-white game. Uh, Tyjon Lindsay did. Javon McQuitty did. I was so pleased. Not only did he have the first catch uh, of the game uh, on a nice uh, long route up the sideline, uh, obviously, or I should say, obviously, unfortunately, it was called back due to a, a penalty against uh, the red team. But uh, finding the end zone later on, uh, McQuitty did. I, thrilled to see him back. It looks like he's, uh, you know, well, you know, healthy and, and going to be a major player for us. Uh, but Tyjon Lindsay did some nice things. Uh, Austin Allen at, from the tight end position. Um, one of the things. And we joked about it, you and I, uh, in in preparation for this. Uh, you called it breaking down the Zapruder film. I went a little, ner- I went a little nerdier and, and said it was the uh, uh, the Kobayashi Maru. That phrase is going to baffle a lot of people. I get it. Uh, I'm a nerd. Check out my other podcast, Nerds United, right here on the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. The Kobe Ma- Kobayashi Maru comes from uh, Star Trek. And it is essentially uh, a test designed to uh, that you are designed uh, designed to make you fail. That's how, what I'm trying to say. And essentially, in a no-win situation, how do you handle it? And you know what what's your strategy when you cannot win? Um, so it's a little more dramatic than it needs to be for this. Uh, but you no, tweet. it's spot on. Okay. It is spot on. Well, you tweeted this out on uh, Sunday evening. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the tweet. I'm going to explain the the video clip that you shared. Here's what it said. I thought this was just power read when I was in the stadium yesterday. Martinez is reading the E M O L or E M O L for the give keep, and we're looking to trap the four I. 
I've never seen this before in college football. Good way to threaten the edge and control the midline. Uh, somebody asked the question of what the hell are you, are you what, what is all of this? Uh, EMOL and 4I, and you said, of course, uh, EMOL is end man online, which is uh, uh, Quayshon in this case, and the 4I is the down uh, lineman aligned on Farniak's inside shoulder. So you're using your coach jargon. That's fine. Um, the clip that do you attach to it is um, the and the option, and it's uh, on a um, uh, sweep to Tyjon Lindsay, who who gets the uh, first down. You know what? How, because you went into to say that you didn't know if it was supposed to be like that or. You know, if, if that was by design or if a few guys missed their blocks. Uh, tell me a little bit about about what you saw when you were breaking down film as it was. Well, when I was in the stadium, like I alluded to in the tweet, I thought it was just the power read off of jet sweep motion where you bring Ty John in motion. Martinez and Ty John have the mesh where they're reading the end man on the line of scrimmage, Quayshon and Alexander. And I thought it was just your standard issue. Pull the backside guard around. Backside guard climbs up to linebacker. Similar to the it was the Taylor Martinez inverted veer play that he burned Kansas State with over and over and over again in 2010 on that in that Thursday night game. And I thought when I saw the replay in the stadium, I thought, well, those down blocks from like Farmer were kind of wonky, and that was kind of odd. But okay, it's a spring game. You know, there's going to be some missed assignments or some poor execution. But when I fired up the DVR on Sunday and I was sitting there watching it, and thank God the Big Ten uh, network camera crew gave us an end zone shot, like coaches film, for that play, I noticed that there were, that was not a standard issue power read play. Now, the first thing is Matt Farniok takes an arc release outside. On a normal power read, he would just block down on that down lineman on his inside shoulder, DeAndre Thomas. And so he arcs outside, and when you see that, when that happens, I'm, you know, coaches are thinking, okay, well, they're trying to influence that down lineman to widen out with Farniok. They're trying to widen that gap, that B gap. And so then watching it from right tackle on back towards the right guard, center, left guard, left tackle. You see that Farmer, which he blo- he goes to help uh, Hunter Miller block the nose guard on a slap call. And so he totally bypasses DeAndre Thomas as well. So now I'm really thinking, wow, they we are trying to trap the four-eye technique. We're trying to read the end man on the line of scrimmage for the give or the keep. And then if Martinez pulls the ball and decides to keep it, Gerald Foster is coming around to kick or trap DeAndre Thomas and give Martinez that crease right up the middle on a midline play for the quarterback. And then after a few other people chimed in on Twitter, including a a well-respected football coach from Ohio, high school football coach Jacob Morris. He's a great follow on Twitter for all things football. And, uh, he was. He mentioned that Gerald Foster actually did more of a skip pull, where it steps with his backside foot and keeps his hips square the line of scrimmage, instead of an open pull where he turns his hips towards the sideline. Open pull you'll see on trap plays. Uh, skip pull you'll see on 
uh, power plays where the backside guard climbs to block the linebacker. And so now with that, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, are we really trying to read the end man while trapping the four eye? Or are there there a host of missed assignments on this play? And that's what's driven me nuts at this point, (laughs) where I'm like, okay, now – I understand Shenander's defensive scheme. We were, we were predominantly a 3-4 defense that operates in a tight front, meaning that we're going to play a nose guard and we're going to play either two four-eye techniques or we're going to play a three technique and a four-eye. And so I'm thinking, I, and I mean, I spent pretty much an entire lecture in one of my classes on Wednesday, hopefully that professor doesn't listen to this podcast. If he does, I'm sorry. Oh, he does. But I spent pretty much an entire lecture with pen and paper, drawing and redrawing that play, trying to figure out where it occurred. And so the only thing, the only logical conclusion that I could come to, because I, I'm a big believer in. I believe it's Occam's razor. The simplest answer tends to be the correct one. Mm-hmm. I, I I believe that we were reading the end man and trying to trap the four eye. And what I think happened is the motion from Ty John influences Will Honus to scrape over the top to widen out from his weak side inside linebacker position. So you're taking him out of the running lane for Martinez inside. And when he scrapes over the top, he scrapes, and you'll see it on film, he scrapes right into the arc block of Matt Farniak. Now, when that happens, what you'll see, what dictates the give to Tyjon is Quayshon Alexander knifes into the B-gap. So he's taking the quarterback, leaving the edge unaccounted for. And then you'll see DeAndre Thomas even though he's lined up on Matt Farniak's inside shoulder, is reading the reaction of the right guard, Tanner Farmer. And he reads that Tanner Farmer is blocking down towards the nose guard. So to prevent the trap, DeAndre Thomas squeezes that gap down. He steps towards Martinez and over to close out any space that would allow Foster to kick him out. Now, I think that the one missed a sign on the play that makes the play look so dadgum complicated and like it defies explanation is that I think Foster was supposed to open pull instead of skip. And secondly, as he's making his pull, he doesn't stay tight enough to the line of scrimmage. He gains too much depth. He needs to stay really tight to that double team on the slap call between Hunter Miller and Tanner Farmer. I mean, he's got to stay so tight to them that as he's pulling around, he could strike a match on the center's ass and light the match. (laughs) I mean, that's how tight it's got to be. And then as he's pulling around, he's looking, if we're trapping DeAndre Thomas, Foster's got to be looking at his inside shoulder pad, inside peck, Because if you pull right, you're going to hit right. You're going to hit the defender on his right shoulder because you're going to hit that and it's going to widen him out to the sideline. If you hit left, you're going to hook him back in. You're going to seal him off. And when he reads that DeAndre Thomas came too far down inside, 
he's thinking, I can't kick him. I'm just going to be standing in the way of the the path for Martinez on the keep. So I've got to try to log him, go for his outside shoulder, and let Martinez correct himself around that block and just bounce it around that seal log block. So that's what I think happened. I've been known to be wrong before, but I'm stamping my name on it. I think we're (laughs) reading the end and we're trapping the four eye. What about that makes you say that you've never seen it in college football before? Well, most of the time on power read, you're just, you're blocking down, down, pull. So we're down, 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 right tackle, right guard, center, all blocking down. Then you're pulling the backside guard around. So most of the time, like with the defensive alignment that you see in that video, Farniak would block down on DeAndre Thomas. Farmer would either glance to help Farniak on that block, or he would just continue to help uh, Hunter Miller block Damian Daniels because ultimately Hunter Miller has got to get around to block the four-eye technique who's lined up on Brendan Hymas's inside shoulder. Because if you don't get him blocked and you don't get the backside linebacker, Breon Dixon in this case, blocked, either of those two guys are going to run the play down from behind if Martinez keeps the ball. So you got to get the entire box accounted for. You already got the motion influencing um, Will Honus wide, you know, into the block of Matt Forniak. But on a standard power replay, you're just going to see Matt Farniak blocked down, Tanner Farmer blocked down, Hunter Miller blocked down, and then Gerald Foster's going to come around and seal the linebacker that's, you know, still staying home away from the motion. And most of the time, conventional wisdom's probably thinking, well, you're reading the end man on the line of scrimmage. Why would you want to try to trap the four eye? Because if you kick him out, he's still going to be on the edge. You know, he can disengage from that block if you have poor execution on the block. And he's going to be able to get outside and, you know, maybe force the play to either make the play on the ball carrier, which is unlikely because not a lot of D linemen can make a play on a ball carrier with a full head of steam in space. Or he's going to just kind of set a natural edge. And so you don't see that very often where you're kicking somebody out the first level, but you're trying to get the ball outside of that block. So that's where it was like, wow, I've, I've never seen this before. It, truthfully, what it reminded me of was the old quarterback keep play, 34 quarterback keep or 36 quarterback keep that Osborne ran with Frost in 1997, where we'd fake the fullback trap up the middle, backside guard would come around to kick out the defensive tackle, and Frost would follow the running back through the C-gap, kind of on a quarterback ISO play. And... The biggest thing for the spread offense, what the whole Magilla that they're looking for, is the B gap <coughs> or the or the cutback. If you can have, if you can open up the B gap in the spread offense, you can run the ball as long as you execute up front. Of course, you can run the ball when, whenever, and wherever you want. And so, by kicking out the four eye technique, DeAndre Thomas who's closing down that B gap when he reads down from Tanner Farmer, you're controlling that B gap and you're both threatening the edge with the sweep 
and you're also threatening the B gap with the the midline with the quarterback run. So again, it cuts the defense in half. You know they ha- they have to stay very gap sound. They have to maintain defensive integrity, structural integrity, and it just it really plays upon the basic rules of defense. You know the rules of various calls that defensive coordinators make. Folks, that is a lot to digest. Um, I encourage you to go back, listen to it a couple times, and for your benefit, uh, the tweet with the video, uh, Haas's tweet from Sunday will be included uh, on the website, both coordination.com, jitterymonkey.com, for you to check that out so you can see what he's seeing. And uh, while Haas, while you were uh, talking here, I was just kind of watching that on loop and trying to follow along. Um, what I liked about it was, you know, it was, was kind of nice to see, uh, and, and this was not just the an isolated incident, but it was kind of nice to see some of those offensive linemen get to that next level a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially after the, uh, the I, I don't know any other way to say it, so excuse my language, ladies and gentlemen, but the clusterfuck of mediocrity that we have seen along the offensive line for the past 15 years. Looking at the other side of the ball, and uh, he did not play. I think he's uh, rehabbing or recovering from some surgery or something like that. I was, uh, I'm really encouraged to, to see what Mick Stoltenberg can do uh, in the fall, uh, and because he was he, he did not play, and um, uh, 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 hell, they they talked to the linebacker right next to him. I can't think of his name now. Um, help me out. Oh, what was that? Uh, the uh, uh, when the the sideline interview Damon Benning was doing. Uh, was, oh, Luke Gifford. Thank you. Yeah, the the name just right over my head. Uh, so I'm encouraged, uh, excited to see what those guys can do. Uh, you know, Mick is a big guy, uh, and you know that he's been, you know, or he is and will be putting on uh, weight in in the weight room, uh, summer conditioning, things like that. I got I mentioned this to you earlier today and wanted to bring it up, uh, what the announcers were talking about. By the way, great announcing crew. Uh, I, I'm a huge Kevin Kugler fan. Uh, the, I, I listen to him, uh, you know, talk me through paint drying. Uh, big shout-out to Kevin Kugler. Uh, appreciate his work. Uh, he and Amir Abdullah, and of course, as I mentioned, Damon Benning on the sideline. Um, but they mentioned a quote from Eric uh, Chenander, of course, defensive coordinator, talking about the guys that he wants to recruit or, or tries to recruit. Uh, and I'm not going to get the quote exactly right, but I'll try to paraphrase best I can. I guess Chenander said something like, give me a long and lean kid and let God and Zach Duvall do the rest. Dilly dilly. Uh, is that not just the best quote of all time? That that you know what that encapsulates the mythos of Nebraska football better than anything I've ever heard. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, like the mythology of it. That's just like Nebraska football. You go and get a talented kid. You put him in the weight room. You coach him up. And by God, come what may. It, and it really did speak because, you know, the depending on, on, on 
the kid's frame. I mean, you can you can do a lot of different things with him. I mean, if he's you know if he's that uh, long and lean, he could be a and, and bulked up enough, he could be a defensive end and a pass rush end rush type of guy. Um, if he's not gonna you know be three hundred pounds, he got a nice little safety or corner there or you know outside linebacker. A lot of different things you can do, uh, you know, but. I just I I love that quote. I popped when I heard that quote. I, that quote excited me because he seems like he gets it, and he understands what you know Duvall's trying to do in that strength and conditioning uh, position. Then you see Zach Duvall out on the sideline, and the dude's going nuts, and he's you know making sure that everybody's you know in the right place, and and he's not. What I liked about it is at least based on you know my you know, limited observation. He's not just a strength and conditioning coach and a, and a rah-rah, you know, sideline guy. He's waving the towel. Yeah. He knows, you know, he knows his shit and, and he's going to help, uh, this, this group be better because he's been there. Yeah. Uh, he's a strength coach whose work speaks for itself. And, uh, you ever notice how he looks like Walter Sobchak, John Goodman's character from The Big Lebowski? <laughs> there I wonder are... if he. I wonder if he tells players when they don't like squat below parallel. I wonder if he gives them like some some line that's similar to the you step you, you mark that Nate Smokey, you're entering into a world of pain. The, there's really only a few guys who could probably answer that question, but now I'm curious. Now I want to ask. I want to ask a lineman uh, if if you get any if you get any uh, big Lebowski references from uh, their SNC coach. I mean, there there are a lot of questions I need answered about the staff. You know, <laughs> first off, I need to know the offensive line blocking rules. I could, you know, I'm I'm going to set out to figure them out over the summer, rewatching the spring game, rewatching UCF games, figuring them out so I have those in my back pocket for breakdowns. Um, need to know about you know, if Zach Duvall drops a lot of Walter Sobchak references from the Big Lebowski, we also need to figure out is Scott Frost a Copenhagen or Skull guy in terms of the the chewing tobacco. Now, you know, so just a lot of questions. Th- this is this is an interesting development because I I wouldn't have known that he was either. Um, is is there? A, I mean, I'm not smart to these things, so uh, you know, smarten me up. Is there a telltale sign? That I that I overlooked by chance. Well, when when you chew tobacco yourself, like I do, I know it's a nasty habit. I don't need any. Uh, I don't need any preaching on my Twitter timeline, folks. I know. At Hoss Reuter, uh, by the way, R E U T E R. Yeah, all the just about every every woman in my life reminds me of what a nasty habit it is. But when when you chew tobacco, you notice when other people chew tobacco. It's kind of one. Of, it's just one of those things and. Uh, you notice, especially like when he's being interviewed by, say, uh, Allison Williams on ESPN, and as you know, Hooch, uh, Allison Williams is—I uh, don't know any other way to put it—but she's a very attractive woman. Um, Would you say she's a dime? Is that what the oh, kids are saying? Yeah, she is a dime. Yes, <laughs> yes, I would say that. Um, but when she's like interviewing with the Peach Bowl, you could see, you know. Big old, he, I mean, look like George Brett, big old chunk of tobacco in there. You notice those things when when you dip Copenhagen as well. 
so interesting. Um, it's kind of weird when you think about it that you notice those things on another man when you chew tobacco. <laughs> kind of makes me feel weird. Kind of is a little weird when you put it that way. Hmm. Yeah. No. A little bit. Uh, so the 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 question is: Skoll or Copenhagen? Are those the, yeah. the two in the running? Yeah, and it's got to you know. Everyone knows the best is Copenhagen. Well, there you have it. We're not even going to bother putting a poll up. Uh, that that's you know the the official word's been. I, I don't know. I think you'd find. I think now I want to put a poll up because I think our listeners do it might say skull. So, oh man, skull is terrible. I don't know. Ugh. I have no preference. I have no. I've never done it. Um, I'm a Copenhagen mint man. Okay. I don't. I tastes, don't like, tastes like Girl Scout cookies, Thin Mints. You know, I'm not even that big on Thin Mints, so I'm not either. I think they're a terrible cookie, but the taste is good. <laughs> I'm just not a big fan of the consistency. Okay. I'm like uh, Woody Harrelson in Zombieland oh. when we talk about oh what uh, yeah. he was. He was after uh, um, uh, Twinkies. Uh, Twinkies, yeah. He won Twinkies, but what was it where he's like snowballs? Taste consistent snowballs. Yes. Oh God, those are terrible on both grounds. <laughs> Snowballs, shut up! Oh, I'm a, I'm a nutty bar man myself. Um, oatmeal Star cream crunch. Pie. Star crunch, always good. Uh, I t- this is what I've been I've been rocking uh, in my work pack uh, for lunch are uh, some Cliff bars. Ooh, I, and, lo- I love a good Cliff bar. And the only reason why is because I used to get a different type of protein bar, but it was covered in chocolate. And being in the truck, the chocolate got all melty. So I, I tried to avoid those now. I picked up on sale at Costco Lara bars. Nice. And those are delicious. Though the, the good thing you get them at Costco. I can't afford them in my in my neighborhood grocery. So um, yeah, uh, the uh, the Costco membership that I just use my parents' membership they have. They haven't caught me yet. They still think I'm Mike instead of Ryan. <laughs> um, yeah, that that definitely allows me to uh, buy stuff that I otherwise could not afford. Let's talk briefly about uh, some of the other acquisitions on the defensive side. I don't know if acquisitions is not the right word, but uh, uh, Honus, uh, as you mentioned, is you know in, stepped in that uh, linebacker role and, and looks to be you know as advertised. Uh, his name was uh, mentioned quite a bit. Another one that you know they were so Eric Lee was relatively quiet, and I can't remember now if he even played or not, but. Uh, uh, Lamar Jackson uh, did, you know, make some noise. I know he had an interception, but was, you know, the, the I think that was the one that was the uh, running back option toss or option pass or something like that. Um, so kind of fluky on that one, but that's somebody that the defense is going to need to step up a little bit. Yeah, we need all the help we can get at this point in the secondary. That's a uh, That's a thin unit. So if people can step up, that would be great. And uh, the announcers didn't make that a secret. I mean, they they really uh, drove that point home. Only eight scholarship uh, defensive backs uh, for 2018. And uh, there's some work to be done on the recruiting trail because it's not a, uh, I don't know, it hasn't been. They've had some success in previous years, but in recent years the, the defensive backs have kind of been overlooked and, and have not I don't know if it for whatever the reason is um, they just haven't haven't helped put the the secondary on the map so to speak 
No, no, there have been, I don't want to say a lot of busts, but the recruiting just hasn't quite been there. And guys are young, granted, DiCaprio, Boodle, or guys who have been in program but haven't seen a lot of playing time, Eric Lee, Avery Anderson. Um, Aaron Williams is a good player. I don't, for a guy that has all the physical tools, I just haven't seen Antonio Reed put it all together yet. I'm hoping that he does. But we definitely need guys stepping up. Yeah, Cam Jones and Cam Taylor, uh, they're both safeties, you know. So they're probably not going to usurp Williams or Reed at the safety position. But, man, do we need corners, and do we need corners badly. So there you go. If you're a, a high three, even – I tell you what we'll do: uh, four star, even high three star, uh, hungry cornerback, wanting to get, uh, wanting to get your college paid for. Be thinking Lincoln. That's, yeah, that, it's Paris of the Plains. Paris of the Plains. Are, are we going to have that conversation again? <laughs> if we need to delve into it, I'm fully prepared. <laughs> um, let, let's talk about the the game day experience. As you mentioned, uh, you know it was. Mid forties, a little drizzly at times. Uh, good fall weather for you know the middle of April. Um, but there have been some comments, and I believe it was from uh, I've got the link pulled up here. Yeah, two four seven sports dot com, uh, the Huskers, you know, version of that, whatever you want to call it. Um, been talks. The the headline. I'll just read the headline. Frost said talks being had about how to handle tunnel walk song. Real quick, uh, does Sirius need to seriously go away? Yes, it does. And you know what? Five years ago, I would have said no, but it's dated. Give it up. We need to be innovative. Innovation is not just a way. It is the Nebraska way, the, the true Nebraska way. We've always been innovative. Strength and conditioning offensive football so academic support things like that yeah yeah the the stuff that you know is important but it pales in comparison to fielding championship football teams you know um yeah let's do away with it and i actually have a pick and it's probably really unpopular because it's kind of obscure before you before you give your pick i just want you to know in case you were unaware uh that my wife and i walked into our wedding reception to Alan Parsons Project Serious. And we we had kind of a Irish themed uh, wedding reception. So there was in fact we still have it. It's a horseshoe, hangs on a ribbon, we hang it on the wall sometimes. It says Lucky in Love and that was at the head table and I went over there and I touched the horseshoe before we went, you know, to you know the dance floor there. So I was just saying I I tried to incorporate a little N you know, in, into my big day. I think that that, I think that that is a great idea. There you go. Yeah. And, and anybody who wants to borrow that uh, idea, you're more than welcome to. You can't borrow the, the horseshoe though. That's, that stays in Casa de Mahachko. Just makes checks payable to Greg Mahachko. Yeah. We'll definitely take your checks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We need the money. So, uh, yeah, let's hear your, I, I'm very curious now, your idea for, the uh, new 
tunnel walk song. And and folks, we preface this, but we don't know if there's a new song coming. It's apparently being uh, in in the works. I, I wanted to quote. Uh, let's see here, because I, I think Frost had a couple of great quotes in this article. One is, and, and again, this is direct quote two four seven sports dot com. Uh, to me, the tunnel walk is more about the players coming out and being greeted by the fans and saluting the fans than it is the song that is playing. But I think a lot of smart people put their heads together and figure out the best direction for that. He says, um, all right, where the hell did it go? I don't know. Apparently, they're, you know, it's, it's a committee. Uh, there's talk about changing it occasionally and seeing if there's a special theme for the game, if we can match it to that. There's talk of keeping it the same, and there's talk of having a fresh new one every time we come out for a game, so I don't know if a decision has been made on that. So, again, that's from Scott Frost. Uh, we're not saying that the song will be changed, but, Hoss, I'm curious as to, because I haven't put any thought into this, so I'm, I'm really curious to hear your what you think the, the team should take the field too you ever see the movie last of the mohicans yes a couple times but it it has been a while you know okay so probably won't know it but the main theme from that is called promontory by a composer trevor jones and uh too bad we can't pull that up or something oh we can So yeah, this song, I mean, it's instrumental, but I think, personally, I think the Tunnel Walk should be instrumental. I completely agree. But it should get people going, and the the song takes a little bit of time, you know, to get going in the first 15 seconds or so, but once it gets going, it's it's understated, it's a slow burn, and, but once it gets going, I mean, I listen to it when I lift weights, for crying out loud. Yeah, I'm listening to instrumental orchestra music when I lift weights. Try that one on for size. There is, oh, you know, we can't. It can't be done. It can't be done in Lincoln. It's already done in Illinois. Um, but the uh, it, it it got. I don't want to say corrupted or bogarted or, or anything, but it was used uh, as the theme for. Uh, uh, Ah, the Lone Ranger. But there's a, but there's a part of it, uh, in in because everybody thinks of, but that's really the last like four minutes of a fourteen fifteen minute song. Before that, it's a really nice uh, orchestral buildup. But another one that I like even more than that is the um, oh son of a, I can I can hear it I can see you know it's perfectly placed for fireworks and things like that uh, I see it in the movie V for Vendetta um, the eighteen twelve overture. Tchaikovsky. Okay. Uh, and, and if you're not going to do that, I, I've got to... I hope this doesn't wake up my son being that it's quarter after 11. But if you, if you don't use one of those, and I'm not disagreeing with uh, your song, I can't wait to uh, drop it in there and let 
let it be playing under this. But I think if you don't do one of those, you got to go. Woo! Oh, you know where I was going with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I would. Yes. 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 2001 A Space Odyssey. South Carolina does it, though. Oh, damn. I know. Damn South Carolina Gamecocks. Do do they really do the uh, Nature Boy entrance? Mm-hmm. They don't do the woo, but they do the 2001 A Space Odyssey. But, yeah, let's do the woo. Let's do. Let's add it. Let's add our own woo. Um, let's get Ric Flair here for a game. Oh, you know what? I'm trying to think. You know, we'll we'll show him around Lincoln. We'll we'll take him to all the you know the watering holes in Lincoln. You know, get all the ladies lined up. You know, you know he just, he, uh, he he doesn't yeah. drink anymore. Well, shit. Because of his uh his his medical episode that happened a few months back, uh, when he well, almost he can died. have Perrier and we'll have some beers. And. Uh, yeah, I'm all for it. What, or while we while we t- touched on it briefly, uh, you could always have the glass shatter. <laughs> it's the, the team team walk out instead of running out. They just like stomp out from the tunnel to the 50 yard line like Steve Austin would. <laughs> Entire <in> coaching <laughs> staff comes out wearing jean shorts <laughs> and black leather vests. <laughs> black Adidas Ultra Boost. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Oh, so there you have it, folks. That's our take. No, uh, Scott Ross feuds with Bill Moose. <laughs> I th- no, I, I see. What I like better is uh, Scott Frost taking a chair to Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Kirk and Brian Ferentz. That's fine. Hey, he's got two middle fingers, one for each of them, and then uh, pour some beer on him. Yeah, it'd be like Vince McMahon and <laughs> his son Shane McMahon. Yeah, the Ferentzes. This is our our. You know what? We just saved this episode of the podcast. I think. Um, yep. But uh, fantastic! Stuff. I thought hell. I thought this was our best one yet. Well, that's because you got you delved very deep into the offensive line stuff, um, and and uh, that that's your bread and butter. I also bared my musical soul. That's true. That's true. As did I. I mean, you know, we, we, hey, we we all have our own unique upbringings. There are no no two people are not on fire. That was in a book one time. Um, was that but, Fahrenheit four fifty one? No, it's a uh, uh, so you should be about the age where you remember the Homestar Runner website. Mm, no, that one's that one's over my head, Greg. All right, maybe you're a little too young. Uh, but there, there are going to be there's going to be no less than three listeners. Uh, maybe no more than three. Li- anyway, three is the magic number I'm going with. Who remember HomestarRunner.com and uh, kind of a goofy little uh, cartoon character from. I mean, 15 years ago in the, you know, in the young internet, um, and had all of his friends. One of his friends was a, uh, a masked luchador named strong bad and strong bad once wrote a children's book, which basically, if you remember those, uh, like those golden, like the golden books for kids, you know, which ones I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, so he just did that, but he scratched off words and, and drew on it. So, um, uh, so, Whatever it was supposed to say, it would say, some people are tall and, and merciless. Uh, Quincy is destroying San Antonio. Uh, and he, he does this uh, entire thing. He's like, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, so what, what was it? Some people have uh, headgear. Some people have braces. Some people have headgear. Uh, Beth could play linebacker for the Raiders. You know, things like that. Uh, and then he goes to the end of the book. He said, uh, uh, everyone is different. No two people are not on fire. Aw. So, 
Uh, that was his children's book. Um, you know what? Just for fun, I'm going to throw that in in the post. Make sure you check out the post. Don't just listen to the to the downloads, although we appreciate you doing that as well uh, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean, uh, and anywhere else that you find a. Uh, your delightful podcasty goodness. But check out the post as well. Sometimes we throw interesting stuff in there. We'll have uh, uh, Haas's uh, tweet about the the play, you know, the the only Husker football-related thing that we're going to have up there. We'll have the Strong Bad video for your entertainment, and we'll have the uh, the poll of Copenhagen v. Skull. It's all on coordination.com, jitterymonkey.com. And uh, Haas, I don't know about you, but it, the the clock is telling me that it's past my bedtime. So yeah, the clock's telling me that as well, and I got to go to a review session in the morning for one of my finals. There's going to be donuts there, so will there be? I never had a donut I didn't like. I'm, I'm the same way. Well, will there be coffee? There better be, or else I'm going to be bringing my own. Well, where, where's the I'll best? Probably, I'll probably be bringing my own to begin with. Where Haas? Where, where's where's the best place to be getting coffee these days? Well, you know, there's a place, and I, I was there this evening, actually. Crane Coffee at 60th and Center. Crane Coffee, 60th and Center. Tell me more about Crane Coffee. I, I understand they're open until 7 on Thursday nights during finals yeah, week. They're, they're open until 7 on uh, Thursday nights and final week, and a uh, great place uh, for some uh, good company of the, um, of, let's just say, well, you know. great company of a fine lady. And uh, what happens when you close down Crane Coffee? I plead the fifth. <laughs> All right. There you have it. Haas uh, uh, enjoys coffee and better have some donuts with it. Of course, by the time you hear this episode, it'll be Saturday, and we'll never know if those donuts were there or not. Uh, oh, check my Twitter timeline. I, I will. Yeah. Check the Twitter at Haas Reuter, R-E-U-T-E-R. I am on Twitter as well at the Hooch 36 It's spelled just like it sounds, complete with the numbers. Uh, we have a number in our uh, show podcast, or uh, show pod, our show Twitter as well, the number five, Heart Podcast. Uh, of course, jittery underscore monkey and at coronation. That is it. This has been a wild and crazy and very informative episode of the Five Heart Podcast. And we look forward to doing it all again next week here on the show where we remind you this week, every this week, next week, and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Win the damn off season. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.